Grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. We read John 16, 5 through 16. But now I go away to him who sent me, and none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is not to your advantage that I go away. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment, of sin because they do not believe in me, of righteousness because I go to my Father and you will see me no more, of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot hear, bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. A little while and you will not see me. And again, a little while and you will see me because I go to the Father. In the name of Jesus, who bids us to work while it is day, knowing that night is coming when no man can work, dear friends in Christ. What if every day you received $86,400 to spend? You had a bank account that every morning you could wake up, check it, and like clockwork, there sat $86,400 for you to do whatever you like with. The only stipulation was that the balance did not roll over into the next day. You had to spend it all on the day it was deposited into your possession. How would you spend it? It may surprise you to learn that this is not a hypothetical, but a true statement for each person here. Only, you are not given this great sum in the currency of dollars, but in the, far, in the form of a far more precious resource, time. You are given 86,400 seconds each and every day to spend how you see fit. You cannot carry any of them over into tomorrow, and you cannot borrow any of tomorrow's time for day. How are you going to spend it? I can tell you that so far, you're off to a, good, a great start. You're here in God's house, hearing his word and learning more about his grace and kindness towards you. Together, we are spending our time to explore all the nooks and crannies of the Lord's revealed, that of the Lord's revealed towards us, his creation. Even this one hour a week, we are spending together in corporate worship as the body of Christ, we can agree it is of great benefit to our most important need, our knowledge of salvation in Jesus Christ. The reason, that is be, the reason for that is because God, who created time, uses it masterfully for our benefit. We will see in our, in our text today, to that end, the theme of our meditation today is, a little while goes a long way. 
a little while with Jesus, a little while with the Spirit, and a little while with the word, with the world. This sermon will take approximately 1,020 seconds. May the Spirit use them, use this brief time to accomplish great things in and among us. Saying goodbye is hard. When a father or mother explains to a toddler that they have to go on a short trip the entire time tends to be riddled with, when are you coming back? And the disciples were no exception. We see this as Jesus revisits with them in verses five and six, the hard truth that he would be going away. But now I go away to him who sent me. And none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. It wasn't a secret that Jesus would not be able to stay with them forever, but it was obviously a tender subject. Jesus would have to return to his father who had sent him into the world. And apparently the disciples were so distraught at this that they didn't even try and understand it. They didn't want to know where Jesus was going. They didn't even want to think about his departure. After all, it really wasn't, it really doesn't seem fair. The Messiah finally comes after thousands of years of prophecy, and he only stays with them for the three years of his ministry. What gives? But unlike us, Jesus used exactly as much time as he needed to accomplish his mission. He made the most of every moment he had on earth to glorify his Father in keeping his commandments and preaching the gospel of repentance and forgiveness. He helped those who needed help. He prayed early and often, and he spent hours upon hours growing in wisdom and stature, as well as preaching and teaching others to instruct and prepare them. Not like us, we who are often blessed with many years are described in Psalm 90. The days of our lives are 70 years, and if by reason of strength they are 80 years, yet their boast is only labor and sorrow, for it is soon cut off and we fly away. Our boast is labor and sorrow for 70, 80, even 90 or 100 years, because we piddle away those precious precious seconds on meaningless things. We cannot be bothered to find an extra 10 minutes for prayer, but we're happy to spend 10 minutes in the drive through lane. We could make time to go invite our neighbors to church, but the couch looks much more comfortable. Even our one hour a week allotted for Sunday morning worship is so easily pushed aside by all manner of excuses. But for, all of the, but for all of our failures, look at all that Jesus accomplished for us in such a brief time span. With Jesus, a little while goes a long way. Verse 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. In verses 14 through 15. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. Jesus spent time on earth for one express purpose, 
to win salvation for sinful man. He did this by living his life perfectly under the law and then dying the death of God's punishment for, for sin demanded in our place. Once that has, was done, he rose triumphant, triumphantly and ascended into heaven to be seated at the right hand of the Father in power because the next phase of salvation must begin, spreading the word. This was and still is today accomplished by Christ's spending by sending his spirit to declare what is both the Father's and Son's, namely the gospel. A little while with Jesus in the, word, in the world to purchase eternal life for us with his own blood absolutely went a long, a long way. In three short years, Jesus not only shed his blood for the sins of the world, but also through his instruction, trained the disciples to become the apostles and the foundation of the Christian church with himself as the chief cornerstone. His departure signified the complete accomplishment of all he set out to do. And now, as a result of this, the Holy Spirit, sent by the Lord Jesus, first to reveal his will to the disciples on Pentecost, and now sent to reveal, reveal his will to all people, continued the work that the Son had begun in instructing the followers. Verses 12 through 13. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. All of these things that Jesus had spoken to them that they couldn't understand were now revealed to them. And these blessed truths in God, of God, then motivated them to go out and use what precious time they had to train and instruct others. Were the disciples blessed to have been in Christ's presence? Yes, yes they were. Were they blessed to have received God's revolution, revelations directly from the source and then inspired to record them for our instruction? Yes, they were. But were they chosen for this work because they were the most gifted, talented, educated, or wealthy individuals for the task. No, they were not. They were, from, from reason, reason standpoint, underqualified, uneducated, undertrained, underfunded, and under duress for the entirety of their own uh, ministries as apostles. Most of them would not die of natural causes but were martyred as a result of their confession. They didn't even have as much time as they might have to carry out their work had they lived a full, long life. But the Spirit enabled them to, by faith, use what little time they had. And this little time with the Spirit has gone a long way. As a result, we here today enjoy the recorded words of our Lord and the inspired words of the holy writers for our own instruction in repentance, forgiveness, and righteousness. But what's the point? Why did Jesus send the Holy Spirit to the apostles, and why does he send, send him to us today? The answer lies in verses 8 through 11 of our text. And when the Spirit has come, he will convict, convict the world of sin 
and of righteousness and of judgment, of sin, because they do not believe in me, of righteousness, because I go to my Father and you see me no more, of judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. As the hymnist writes, brief life is here our portion. Ask anyone over the age of 50 and they'll tell you, you blink and you miss it. So what can we possibly hope to accomplish with what seems like a short time in the world, especially in this world, which is so violently opposed to the things we know and believe to be true about sin and grace, damnation and redemption. Jesus tells us that when the spirit has come, which is now the spirit has come, he will convict the world. The Greek word for convict is eleko. It's a courtroom term meaning to expose or convince with solid, compelling evidence. The Spirit has sent us into the world, world to expose the solid, compelling evidence of the law, the gospel, and the judgment to the world. First, the law, which the Spirit uses to convict the world because Jesus says, they do not believe in me. We are all by our very nature, unbelievers and sinners deserving of eternal death. The world can try to avoid that fact by saying there is no God and therefore no sin. But scripture exposes, exposes that notion as foolish in Psalm 14.1. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. Or they can try to avoid it by saying they aren't a sinner. But scripture again brings evidence against them saying in 1 John 1, verse 8. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. The truth is not in us. Second, the gospel, which the Spirit uses to convict the world of righteousness because Jesus went to his Father, where we see him no more. But Jesus ascended into heaven. We know that the work he, he was sent to earth to accomplish was completely finished because he ascended. He must have been raised from the tomb. Because he was raised from the tomb, he must have died. And because he died on the cross for our sins, we have life in his name. Paul asked in Romans 8.34, Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. And finally, the judgment. The Spirit convict, convicts the world of the truth that there is only so much time left. The truth that Christ will return in judgment on the last day. Because whether by death or Christ's return, we only have a little while in the world. The end will mean great despair for all those who, like Satan, the ruler of this world, will be condemned for their prideful disdain of God. But it will be a source of joy for all those who have placed their hope and trust in his Son, Jesus Christ, as the full propitiation for all sin. At the end of the service today, you will have about 45,000 seconds left in the day. How do you intend to spend them? Because the truth is that you may not even have that. Today could very well be the day that Christ returns or the day that he calls you 
in, in particular to your heavenly home. I'll ask again, how do you plan to spend the rest of your day, the rest of the week, the rest of your month, should the Lord allow you to have this time? Well, Mr. Preacher, everything you've said so far makes me feel as if I only have a little time, a little while left. How can I hope to accomplish anything at all? And I know it feels that way, but if there's anything we've learned so far today is that through Christ and with the help of the Spirit, a little while goes a long way. We see how Christ has only three in only three short years accomplished mankind's salvation. We see that the Spirit working through his servants have accomplished much during their brief lives. And we see and can trust that the Spirit will accomplish his purpose through us as well. Go out boldly then. Pray without ceasing. Read your Bible and proclaim Christ like you have never, like you may never have another chance to again. Because you may not. Your efforts will be blessed. And when our time here finally does come to an end, we will enter into the joy of salvation for the sake of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so we pray with the psalmist in Psalm 90, verse 12. So teach us to number our days that we may again, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. In Jesus' saving name, amen.